Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Event Industry News podcast. Uh, a, a very good morning, good afternoon, or evening to all of you, um, whenever or wherever you're tuning into this podcast from. We know from uh, from recent conversations with some of our podcast followers that uh, we've got people tuning in from all over the uh, far flung corners of the globe at the moment. So, yeah, very very uh, warm welcome to everybody on today's episode. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology. Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. Uh, and as I said, a warm welcome to everybody wherever you're tuning in from today and a warm welcome to today's guest. We're joined today by Nick Gold. Nick is the Managing Director of a business called Speakers Corner. I'm sure some of our podcast followers uh, will have uh, come across Nick's company before, but if you haven't, Nick's here to tell us a little bit about it and perhaps talk about um, some of the scenarios and some of the... Uh, some of the issues and some of the, the ways that his company goes about helping people working in the event industry um, when sourcing uh, conference speakers and conference hosts. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Lovely to be here. Um, having a good chat. As I said, well, I hope I've not sort of got carried away or said anything uh, incorrect right at the start there. So, so let, let's put some clarity to it straight away. Um, Speakers Corner, tell us about it and what, what the business does. So we've been around for about 20 years now and effectively... We started in the traditional entertainment space and then we realized that actually the world is having more and more content driven events and they're looking for external voices to come in and give them ideas and suggestions about how they can move their company forward, their sector forward, how they can think about things differently. And we're now living in a world whereby everyone thinks they're a speaker, everyone's got a story to tell. So you type in motivational speaker or keynote speaker into Google and suddenly you get 13 million different people who are all amazing speakers and you should have at your conference. And what we do is we provide you help to understand who actually is a good speaker and who would work well for you, for your, con for your conference, for your audience, and who would give you the right messages that would help you guys um, achieve a successful event. So I kind of, we're a speaker bureau, but I, it's an, almost a repositioning in the sense of what we do is we, we provide clients the best content to help them. And the fact that content is through, well, is through the, the voice and speaking it's truly what we're delivering. So we've got seven and a half thousand different speakers on our database. We grow them the whole time. We're constantly out listening to people. And then we work with our clients to understand what they want and give them the right person for their event. And I suppose that the first question that I'd ask um, and that springs to mind is as, a, as an event organizer, if I'm organizing a very, very sector specific event and I'm looking for a very sector specific keynote speaker, the assumption would be that as an organizer, I understand that sector anyway and perhaps would know anyway who I'm going to invite you know what, what are the scenarios where organizers come to you instead of already knowing some of the leading names in their own sector that perhaps would make good keynote speakers for their events so I think that there's two there's two things I suppose to say about that my immediate response is always although you think you want someone from your specific sector if you've got an audience who are, who, are, who are deep in their sector and really understand the whole thing, to get, an, to get an external viewpoint or get someone from a different sector coming in to talk about their sector and be able to draw on the similarities so then the audience can actually take the key points and mould them and massage them into the message that they want to take away with themselves, will actually give that audience a fresh perspective. And I think very much in this day and age whereby none of us really know what's going on and none of us know the direction, we do need new ideas. Mm. And then alongside that, kind of the secondary, if you do need that industry-specific person, 
the bottom line is our job is to research these people and make sure they can deliver on stage as much as they have a great CV. Because it's all very well having someone who might be the ideal person based on their CV for your event because it's in that, this specific sector. But then when they get on stage, they're not used to speaking, which is an, an art in itself. So why not use people who actually responsibility is to make sure they can deliver on stage so you're getting the full gamut of the whole experience rather than just the fact that this person's up on stage because they've been in the sector for years yeah and, and i think you've touched on something again there that that, that is a, a question that will spring into a lot of people's minds fairly on in this type of conversation and that is somebody who is extremely qualified and undoubtedly successful uh, or influential within their given sector or in what they do but who may not have that experience and maybe not able to translate that when they stand on a stage with a microphone and a, and a clicker and deliver their presentation. Um, it, it, what's the process when you are looking to bring potential speakers into your portfolio of offerings? Um, how do you, I suppose, go through a vetting process to ensure that they're going to be capable to deliver what your clients will demand? So I think there's, there's a couple of things there. Firstly, just kind of, just to give you a bit of my backstory, because it's just quite interesting, kind of, I, I worked in big business and I went to many conferences in the early part of my career. Um, and I just sit there and listen to a motivational speaker stand up and say, look at my gold medal. You too can win that gold medal. And I'd be sitting in the back thinking to myself, I'll never win that gold medal. I'm just a bit too, too tired and kind of not far, not anything. Um, and over time, I came to realize that a lot of these speakers, what they're doing is they're just telling their own story which is nice and makes you feel like you can do it. You can do anything. But 10 minutes later, you've forgotten it when you leave the room. And actually, they're not talking about you in the audience. They're talking about themselves. So the first thing I'm looking to do, kind of where I'm taking this story, the first thing I'm looking to do is to understand from the speaker, what are they actually delivering to the audience? So it's all very well you being an expert who can tell their story because you understand the sector back to front. But if you've got nothing to teach people, then it's not, shouldn't be an ego Mm. massaging platform on stage it should be about what the audience can take away from you in terms of how we vet them and what we do the bottom line is kind of we've got a, a team here who spend their entire time out going to listen to speakers we get new speakers approaching us every single day we understand within the con within um within ourselves the types of speakers who we're missing from our roster in terms of sectors in terms of um in terms of um uh, specialities in terms of expertise and we will go actively out and and hear them speak. So in our, we've all, every night of the week, we've got people out there listening to speakers. And why do we do that? It's because we're privileged. Like in the sense of people might hear a speaker one, once or twice a year, kind of in Joe Public, I want for a better word. We get to hear these people the whole time. And therefore, it's an enjoyable perk of our job. So no kind of people who work for us actually love what they're doing and get to yeah. hear ideas. Um, so it's not a bad perk of the job as such. Um, but very much, we, we are really conscious of when that speaker is up on stage delivering, even if the client has, said, has told us that this is the person they want and we've tried to bring them down, tell them down another path or something, when that speaker is up on stage delivering, it's not only their reputation that's on the line, it's also speaker's corner. So we have to make sure that we are delivering someone who can speak and we have to make sure we're building a relationship with the client that if they're not good enough, because they might be great on paper but not good on stage, we can have that honest conversation with the client and explain to them that actually on the day, they're not going to get what they're looking for. Mm. So, um, some, somebody presented me with a scenario just recently, in fact, um, and, a, and a rethink that they'd had on their strategy when it comes to, to being invited to, to speak at events. And, a, and a particularly at business conferences yeah. is, 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 is mostly what this person gets invited to, to speak at. And that was that they're often approached by conferences, invited to come and speak, but then the conference themselves gives them the subject. So they'll say, we're looking to deliver a session on 
X, Y, Z. Can you come and do that? In which case, then that person has, has gone off and then sort of designed a session to, to, to fit that. And what they realized was is that for most of the sessions that they're asked to go and deliver at these types of events, it's the first and last time they're going to be delivering that particular session. So that session really never improves or refines itself and, and, and gets better. They never get a chance to really, you know, play it or do it over and over again and, and, and gradually refine it every time. Mm. Um, and, and their thinking was to change that up a little bit to say, look, at the start of the year, I'm going to design a session based on what I know really well. Yeah, that's going to be my session. And if anybody approaches me during the year to go and speak somewhere, I'm going to say, well, that's my session. That's what I've designed for this particular year. And I'm, and I'm going to be able to deliver that over and over again and get really, really good at it. So having sort of presented that sort of rambling scenario, yeah. do you, I wonder if you understand what I'm getting at there. Oh, okay, so here's my thought. I completely understand where you're coming from. Here's my thought about the whole thing. Is ultimately, when we're on stage, people, when we're on stage and you're delivering a speech, people learn from you through stories. And that's what we do every day in our life. That when, you're in, when you're in the pub with your mates, when you're in front of kind of learning kind of in, in school or whatever it was, you actually learn through stories and through emotions. And that's when, when I tell the story of the, um, the gold medalist, you actually engage because they're telling a story. So for any, speaker to, for any speaker, my view is whatever they're delivering, whatever their key message is, they need to do it via stories while they also need to be able to deliver the message behind it. Now, I, th I don't think a speaker should have their set speech and that's the only thing they're doing because they have to understand that they're there at a conference and, and, the, and the conference organizer needs to brief them about what they're doing and they need to, kind of, they need to be able to um, customize it, not completely, but slightly. Um, so they're delivering their core messages, but they're also delivering to the client what the client's asking for. And why do I talk about storytelling? Because my view about how a great speaker would work is effectively at the beginning of each year, they would have 30, whatever it is, I'm throwing a number, 30 stories. And what they do is, is be thinking to themselves, story one is about this and, and this and this. Story two is about this and this and this. And they go through and they categorize all their stories with two or three categories each. And they understand these stories back to front because they're their own personal stories and they really get them and they understand the message behind them. And then when they're speaking to the client on the phone and they're having a conversation about what the client's looking for, all they're doing in their head is thinking, I'm going to deliver story 3, 9, 15 and 16 for the event. And they are comfortable because they're their stories that they'll be able to deliver those stories because they've done them millions of times before and they're really comfortable in the whole thing. But the client's getting this bespoke speech about the subject matter they want without even realizing this is actually a framework from, a, from the speaker over all the stuff they're doing. So you're getting that compromised position of you're not spending every time writing a single speech because that's ridiculous and actually it's not sustainable. And as you say, it means you never get to practice it. But you're sure. taking what you understand and you're expanding out. So you're delivering to the client that hybrid of what you're delivering alongside what they're needing. Because it shouldn't be a one... It's a, the critical thing to me about a good speech and a good delivery is the fact that it's, it's an amalgamation of the wants of the, of the client alongside actually what they're speaking to deliver. And it shouldn't be biased towards one way or another. Sure. Uh, just going back to a point that you made um, earlier on one of my first questions, um, and that's finding or maybe looking at speakers and presenters who are not necessarily directly associated with the sector that your event is serving. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that that is a little bit the old adage of, of not being able to see the wood for the trees. Sometimes it, it, event organizers get so, so bogged down in, in the tunnel and the narrow pathway that they're on within their sector that they maybe lose sight or lose the imagination of going outside of that to see who would be applicable. Um, it, 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 that sounds like something that very much you advocate and, and, and you've perhaps built that 
scenario where having a step back from your clients, you can maybe look at things that they wouldn't consider and make suggestions to them about certain speakers that you think could actually work for them? I think this is exactly the point from, from my perspective and from Speakers Corner perspective is the fact that the first question we ask our clients is not who they want or is actually tell us what the aims of the whole event are. Mm. Um, and too often, unfortunately, in my eyes in the event industry, too, too often actually the business aims of the event are not, clear, are not clearly defined as in usually they're like, well, we do this every year. We've got to do one again this year or whatever it is. But actually, if they understand what they're hoping to achieve, that's not sector specific and it's not um, expertise specific. It's just the fact we need to grow the business. We're having a traumatic year. We need to inspire our audience. Whatever it is, it's a generic statement. And suddenly you move out of the expert thing and turn around and say, okay, well, this speaker can deliver something which actually we're not used to hearing. And actually the audience, we're going to give them some credit for being, for being intelligent human beings. They can work out their messages they're going to do out of it rather than us spoon feeding them exactly what they should be doing i think we move we move we're moving away from conferences where people are being told what to do and i think this is the nature of society as a whole into an area where conference is a place where you can learn as an individual and then you can translate that back into your own um everyday life whether that's work or pleasure Sure. Going back to something I asked you uh, again earlier on the episode about um, why would uh, an organiser who maybe has very good insight into the industry and uh, a lot of good contacts come to um, an organisation like yours to source their speakers? Um, and one thing that springs to mind is the actual um, the operations side of things, the, the, the planning, you know, when it comes to the nitty gritty. And, and all event organisers listening to this today will, will have been in this scenario, I'm sure, at some point, which is chasing presenters, chasing presenters for content chasing presenters for travel information where are they coming from what time do they need to to, to be there um so uh, you know when it comes to the actual content itself of what they're going to be delivering on the day is that something that you guys also get involved in in terms of liaising with clients to ensure that powerpoints or or you know design files are sent through on time and to the right people so so the interesting thing for us as speakers corner is because we're a speaker we're a pre- people automatically think that our job is to give them the right speaker for the event. Whereas actually I believe our job almost starts from the moment we've done that and it, um, and it ends after the event. Right. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we have an entire logistics team here who basically from the moment the client says we want to go with X person, their job is to make sure the person understands what they're delivering. The slides are all in the right format. If there's any video footage, it works. If they're traveling, whether it's in the UK, overseas, kind of, and it's visas, there's transport and stuff like that, we control that. And we control that for a couple of reasons. We control that so that we can make sure the speaker really gets what they're doing. They're busy people. And this conference, while it might be the biggest thing of the year for the company, mm-hmm. it's a moment in time for them. And we have to make sure they are aware of it two weeks beforehand, they're aware of it on the day, and they're aware of it six months beforehand. We have to make sure they're available for a briefing call with the client. That absolutely has to happen. And if the client needs more, we, we make sure we liaise all that so that actually when the speaker turns up, on, turns up to, the, to the event on the day, they are appearing as, we want them to be the superstar, the rock star who's appearing on stage to deliver everyone the amazing experience. And they're in the best to do that. But also we appreciate their main client, who they often forget, is a conference organiser who's got a million and one different things to do. And the speaker is only a small segment. And if we can take that burden away from them and they have the confidence that we can deliver that speaker as they want them in the right time, earlier than they expected, then actually they can breathe a sigh of relief and go and concentrate on the important stuff for themselves, which is all the other stuff. Um, and that's what we believe in is actually our value to, to the client is not only the fact sure. that we give them the right speaker, but it's the fact that we are, we are 
owning that relationship with the artist and making sure that the client has absolute confidence that when they stand up on the stage, they can be fully briefed, they can have the materials are going to work and everything works absolutely perfectly. Yeah, and that, that, that you know, from personal experience is, is something that um, it, it, it is taking away a significant burden mm. that, is, that usually falls to somebody within any given events organisation to, to, to go and chase. You know, they are, they are constantly chasing... Um, PowerPoint presentations or whatever format presentation the speaker is, is going to be using, you know, they're phoning them on the day to say, where are you? And it's going straight to their voicemail, you know, um, and, and as nice as it is to have that personal contact and that direct contact with a, with a presenter, sometimes you highlight an interesting point, which is for the event organizer, it's the biggest thing of the year for the presenter. It's a moment in time. It's another thing in their diary, essentially another meeting that they're attending in that particular working week. Um, and the importance with them, not, not to devalue it at may not be the same level of importance as it is yeah. to the person on the other side and having that intermediary there is 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 clearly something that helps and i think kind of and that's the other thing can we know these speakers so the fact that we can speak to the clients and tell them how best we can phrase stuff to the speaker or we could especially maybe with the more high profile people or how sure. best we can manipulate a strong word but massage a situation so that actually the client gets what they want and actually know that if the if the client asks for someone to turn up nine hours beforehand, actually this is the possible impact and et cetera, et cetera. It helps the client understand the background rather than getting frustrated because the speaker is just saying no or this, that and the other. And that's what we're providing to them. We just want to take that bit of the conference that is absolutely critical, but at the same time, when you're dealing with the lighting, the staging, the production, the health and safety and the kind of the food and like yeah. the fact that you've got 700 people attending the event, it's a small and different thing. But without that speaker, suddenly you're struggling around. So why not? kind of use experts who do this every single day who have an entire team dedicated to the whole thing if it gives you peace of mind that kind of to me that's a massive thing when you're organizing that conference and you can you can concentrate on the overall delivery um I, i'm i'm not going to go off tangent but sort of maybe on a slightly different track and that was um to, to ask you about the, the history of the company because at the very beginning you said that speakers corner has been around for about 20 years mm. um that's a long time for any organization that that's an established operation and um and something that that in in this particular line of work can only survive if you are doing the job right and also if you're constantly building a portfolio of your own clients. So uh, a couple of questions, really. Number one, mm. how did it all start and how has it evolved? And number two, given the level that you're at now, how much pressure is there to continually source new uh, clients of your own to, to be able to offer then two events? So it started by my original partner who had an event, who had a kind of a company in the entertainment space. So traditionally like um, balloonists and magicians for weddings, that type of thing. Mm. And they noticed the rise of the other thing, which was clients calling up and saying, hey, we've got a wedding and we're looking for someone to stand up and be funny for 20 minutes, but they've got to appeal to eight-year-olds and 80-year-olds and they can't swear and they can't be sport-focused and they can't do this and they can't do that. And they were prepared to spend um, kind of four-figure sums of money on this person standing up and speaking. Yeah. And my, client, my, my former partner, credit to her, she realized that if you're looking for a balloonist or magician, you don't really, you don't really care who that person is. Yeah. And so that's about churn. Whereas actually when you're looking for the speaker, the client wants the right person for their event who suits the bride and the groom, who suits the wedding. And therefore that's about selection and curation rather than about the churn. Um, sure. So she spun off this separate company called, this new company called Speaker's Corner, which is a great name. And, kind of, um, and I joined kind of her immediately. And we kind of, and my background was the fact that we were setting up this website and we were kind of putting names on the website. And at the beginning we were spending our whole time sourcing 
kind of a, a new speakers and having to justify who we were. It was, it was at the dawn of the internet. So we, everything was done by fax and by phone and <laughs> kind of, and again, what we came to realize quickly was our value to our clients was a relationship which we could build with them and an understanding of what they're hoping to achieve, not necessarily what they think they want. Um, and that was about us getting to know them. So, was, so Speaker's Corner has always been about the relationships. And then over time with the internet, um, we realized that actually if all kind of more and more companies were springing up who had ni- nice listing sites, um, listing websites where they had loads and loads of speakers and that's what they're offering. And we kind of knew or we kind of felt that actually if the value of the service was the fact that you knew people, in the age of the internet, that was going to go away because anyone could find anyone else. So you had to understand what you're, serv- what you're actually delivering. And what we realized we were delivering was a customer relationship to actually deliver them a level of service which helped them. Mm. Um, and so we worked hard on this end-to-end delivery of exemplary customer service or whatever we want to call it. Um, and we got a nice reputation in the, in the industry over the fact that we care, basically. Um, and we got nice feedback and we were clear that kind of what we were doing was we were impartial advisors to our clients who just wanted them to have the best event rather than it being about the speakers and kind of their celebrity status or otherwise. That was just beside ourselves. We were interested in the client. Um, and that impartial, impartial, impartiality alongside the customer service element meant we got this reputation which moved us along and we created a business which actually seems to have a good reputation in the industry. And then from that, the more... Um, as our reputation grew, speakers started coming to us and we suddenly realized that actually, while we kept on researching, we were getting between, I don't know, 40 and 100 new speakers approaching us every week to try and get on our books. They understood that actually, we are developing relationships with clients mm. and therefore we have events. Therefore, if they come in with us and um, they've got opportunities to, make, to, um, to get work. And so, and then we moved to bigger offices and now we get three or four speakers coming in every week to meet the team. We're, people are out every single night and we just, we find, we find the right speakers. We make sure that at all times they understand that our relationships are with the client, the ones who actually are putting on the events. Our relationship with them are based on the fact we, we're impartial and we'll give them advice on what um, they're actually looking for from the event, not for what speaker they want. Um, and therefore speakers work closely with us to give us the information we need rather than just give us their one page biography, which turns around and says, this is what they've done. We need to understand what really they're trying to deliver. Um, so it's been, an, it's, it's an interesting journey. And I kind of, when I joined, I had no background. I didn't come from the event industry or anything like that. I joined because there was an opportunity and I wanted I kind of, I, I'm a bit of a startup type guy and I've been, I always thought to myself, I'd only stay in a company no more than three years. Cause after that, I'd be bored. And like <laughs> 17 years later, 18 years later now I'm still here. Um, and we have fun and we're privileged. We get to meet amazing people. Sure. what they have to say and you know something i genuinely believe what we've done is create a culture whereby people come to work every day with a smile on their faces and get because they know they're going to have new experiences and then sure. they translate that and transmit that to their clients and get them to get get involved in something which is a lot of fun um and you get a lot of reward out of absolutely well, one thing that i'd like to ask um in terms of the booking process um yeah. i wouldn't expect you to, to to name names at all because i appreciate that there's a there's a um a, not an anonymity but a confidentiality there with higher profile uh, clients mm. that you no doubt deal with but 
uh, again, just, just referencing a scenario that other event organizers may have found themselves in when they're looking to book somebody who is a celebrity or somebody who is high profile, yes. they often find themselves maybe going through two or three different agencies. You know, you, you contact agency A and they say, yes, I can book so-and-so, but then that agency is ultimately going to another management agency who is then dealing with the direct management of that particular person. Um, and it can all become a bit of a minefield. How's, how does that scenario work with you guys? And, and, and is it broadly the same or does it differ from what we may understand as sort of, you know, events agencies or booking agents? So uh, generally we work either directly with the artist or with their management. And, and, and we, again, because, our, because we're completely impartial and because we developed the relationship, management companies want to work with us because they understand that we are working on behalf of the client who wants, this, who wants celebrity A to do this, 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 and this. They're working on behalf of their celebrity who, uh, who, who wants to turn up two minutes beforehand and leave two minutes afterwards. And ultimately, what then that means, the manager who we know and we work with regularly can have the confrontation with, with us where we can agree somewhere in the middle, which, which we know will satisfy our client and we know they know will satisfy their client. And therefore we can both go back to our respective clients and be able to deliver to them good news and bad news often, but get them to a place whereby they're getting what they want and giving up something that they want. And I think that scenario works kind of from our perspective is what we see from our clients is when they try and bypass and go direct to the manager, the manager's only interested in protecting their client who's the artist and therefore is much more restrictive and much more clear cut than when they're dealing with us. They know they've dealt with us beforehand. They know that we operate correct, um, in the right manner how they want it to done. They know that we have logistics people who's going to look after them. And primarily, they know that we're not going to put them in an event, um, which is a wrong event for them, which is one of the critical things more and more in, 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 for managers, for good managers today, is they know that how, whatever someone's being paid, if they're standing in front of an audience of 500 people, every single one of those people has social media. And if they're delivering a bad performance, it can all go horribly wrong if they're all tweeting about that or whatever they're doing. Mm. And so they've, they've got to make sure they're protecting them because it's going to be the right audience. And so when they, when they, when they know Speaker's Corner or one of the other kind of, one of the other bureau, reputable bureaus in the marketplace go to them, they know we're going to go with the right, um, that we're going to go to them yeah. in the right way and they're not going to end up with their... Um, artist or client being in something which actually is detrimental to them Absolutely. so it happened the, the the tears happens less and less um we kind of <laughs> and if you're dealing with someone if you're dealing with a, a if you're dealing with with someone who's reputable in marketplace i would turn around yeah. and say they would be de dealing directly with the management company great great um it, when you um have placed somebody uh, do you ever get to watch them in action? You know, if, you, if, if you've been approached by a conference and, and, you've, and you've really worked hard to source the right speaker for them, you've been given a bit of a blank canvas, do you ever get the opportunity to go along and actually we, see them in action? We do go along because it kind of, from our perspective, it gives us a warm heart, but also it's a chance kind of to meet the client, mm -hmm. um, to see the artist. I mean, especially if, if, if we've got a member of the team who hasn't seen the artist before, it's a chance for them to see the artist. Ideally, we go to every single event, to be absolutely honest. Mm. Um, but we, had, we do a lot and we don't have time to go to them all. Sure. Um, but it definitely is. I mean, it's our learning mechanism is the fact that we can understand, we get to know the client better by the reaction we see of an audience. Like these days, I, again, I'm privileged. I've seen so many speakers. And these days I spend more time watching the audience than I do watching the, the speaker. Why? Because that's a true test of how that speaker's doing. Um, so I can, I can judge the speaker within a minute of their style because of my experience, I would say. But then it's actually who, 
members of the audience and who they are and their profiles and how they react differently to the speaker is what's critical to me. And why is that? It's so that when our client kind of gives us a brief where they're looking at a particular type of audience, yeah. we understand which speaker will work best for them. Sure. Do you, and leading on from that, do you ever do any training? So do you have a scenario where somebody's come to you and says, look, I know I've got something to offer as a speaker, but I feel that I probably actually just need to um, learn a little bit or get some, some pointers in how to deliver that. Will you actually work with them on their presentation style, on things like vocal delivery, on content of their presentation to make sure that actually you're then delivering to your client something that's really well rehearsed and, and sorted? So, so the answer is we'd love to. But the, at Speakers Corner, we don't. And why don't we? Because we, we, have, a lot of pe- we have a lot of speakers who are approaching us and kind of, and it's, we, we, we stay with what we know. Mm-hmm. We have um, companies we work with who do deliver that. Right. We also, um, kind of my role more and more in the company is to spend time with speakers and give them an outline of what they need to do in order to improve themselves. Because our view is, you need to, as a speaker, if you want to get ahead in the game, again, when you're standing up on stage, you're representing us as much as you're representing yourself. We can't have someone who's going to fail. So if you want to get ahead in the game, the same as any other career, you have to learn, you have to practice, and you have to invest time in yourself. And almost, we don't want to hand that to them on the plate. We want to see the fact that actually they are investing themselves in, uh, as a speaker in terms of a career, rather than just thinking, oh, because I've been on television yesterday, it's going to come to me. No, we want you actually to be able to deliver in whatever circumstances that's, going, that's happening. Um, looking back at and, and just with one eye on on the on the time today of today's mm. podcast, one thing I did want to ask you is in in twenty years of business and in seventeen eighteen years of you being directly involved yeah. and, and work for Speakers Corner, um, having placed thousands of people into in, into scenarios, are there particular moments that spring out as some of your sort of proudest or sort of some of your most significant achievements that, um, that 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 you're able to reference or that you regularly think about when asked? So I think, listen, there's a couple of, there's two stories I'd say to that. I mean, listen, again, I, I, I probably said it a number of times, but I'll say it one more time. The fact that I regularly get asked, who's your favorite speaker? Right. And I'm privileged because every day I get to hear another speaker. So it literally changes week on week. And it also depends on the event and what I'm doing. So it's, a, it's one of my hardest questions. But I think two, th- two, store, two things that I'd bring to mind was, um, was the fact that my first story was the time, and I, can't, I'm trying to, I was trying to work out how many years ago, but a, few, a number of years ago when I kind of felt we really got what we were doing was the day we got a call from a client to say, um, we've got a speak, kind of, our speakers dropped out an hour and a half before they're due to speak. There's a plane flying to, it was somewhere in France, which takes off in 20 minutes. Can you find us someone who's perfect for this event? It was quite a niche kind of, mm. kind of expert, the type of um, event we were talking about before where they thought they wanted a sector expert. Sure. And the interesting thing about that type of thing is suddenly our clients, the event organizers, wash their hands completely of who they think they want and they completely put <laughs> their trust in us because they don't have time to argue us about whether the person's right or not. And we put in place someone who actually, if they looked on paper after, because this is what the client said to us after they looked on paper after, they were like, we would never have accepted this person. But we knew this person because of the stories they had and because their, their understanding about how to relate to an audience would go along and deliver exactly the message these people wanted. And they got on, they got on the plane 20 minutes later and they flew across there and we got literally the best um, feedback we ever got, which is because they basically said, we would never have chosen this person. This person changed the way that we as a company work. And it's only because they gave them thoughts they wouldn't usually have and gave yeah. them better than they wouldn't usually have. So that's the first thing in terms of speakers corner as a whole. Personally for me, the, the one moment that I always reference back was a number of years ago, um, 
I was backstage at an event and uh, President Bill Clinton was speaking um, and he came off stage and, there, and he came off stage down the back stairs and he, I was with a couple of other people and um, I looked around and there were like eight so, uh, Secret Service people and then there were three of us standing there and he came over and talked to us for like 20 minutes just having a chat with us and we were like, yeah, yeah, really? Us? And it was, it, when you meet someone... Um, when you meet someone who's been like the president of the US, of the United States, yeah. who is Bill Clinton, it was quite a, a, a magical moment, which kind of would live long in the memory. Fantastic. Thank you very much. It, it, it's, um, it, it's great that you are able to reference those because I appreciate that a lot of the, the job that you have, that there must be a certain element of confidentiality um, with a lot of the clients you speak to. So being able to sort of just drop that one name in at the end. <laughs> I think oh, listen, is, it's, I think, it's, it's, it's such a good name, but how can I resist it? A, absolutely. And, and, and I think it's, it's a per- perfect way to sort of put a little, you know, full stop on the end of uh, on today's conversation on, on, on today's podcast. Um, we've been talking today to Nick Gold. Nick is the managing director of Speakers Call. Um, talk about finding the right speakers for your event, the right hosts, the right presenters, and um, and some of the the work that Nick and his team have done in twenty years of operation at Speakers Corner. Nick, if um, any of our podcast listeners want to get in touch with you guys and find out a little bit more about you directly, um, how can they go about doing that? So please have a look at our website, which is speakerscorner.co.uk. Um, but more importantly, give us a phone call on plus four four two zero seven six zero seven seven zero seven zero. Or drop us an email, info at speakerscorner.co.uk. Or even better, get on social media with us. Our handle at Twitter is speakers un- at speakers underscore corner. We're also on Instagram and on Facebook. And we're just a- and on LinkedIn. We're around everywhere. Uh, and one thing that we should point out that we haven't clarified for everybody is, is we've got podcast listeners and followers, you know, tuning in from, from all around the world, particularly over in the US as well. Um, you guys are, are placing and helping to find speakers, not just in the UK, but, but globally. All over, we, do, we do events all over the world. As I said, kind of we've got a dedicated team whose job is to make sure the speaker turns up before you even expect them anywhere in the world on time with the right visa and delivering magic for anyone. Fantastic. Um, if you are listening to today's episode of the Event Industry News podcast, don't forget that you can hop over to eventindustrynews.com and whilst you're catching up with all of the uh, the latest news that's on there, you can watch video versions of this podcast. If you're watching the video version, well, hello to you first of all. And uh, don't forget you can download all of the previous episodes of the podcast via your favourite podcast audio platform. Listen to it on your commute to and from work or wherever you may be travelling to for your own particular work. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor engage powered by d2i systems winner of best event management platform at the 2017 event technology awards to learn how engage can make your business more profitable visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage which brings us nicely to the end of today's episode our thanks once again to nick gold managing director of speakers corner for joining us today and uh, we will see you all on the next episode of the podcast thanks very much and goodbye mm-hmm.